Welcome to What the Heck's Your Source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 cards that you probably shouldn't include in your deck, but you still do. I'm your co-host, Davey, and with me, as always, are the co-hosts that I should include on this uh, podcast, Phil. <laughs> How are you doing, Phil? <laughs> hey, I am doing a lot better. I'm feeling human again. Uh, All right. Yeah. And that's because of a stint with lycanthropy? You were, uh... Uh, well, I mean, there's that, but then also I, I had the Rona. Oh, no. It got me. Yeah. Uh, and so I've been stuck in the house for the past almost two weeks. Uh, haven't left the house, um, but back to normal, no more symptoms. So uh, hopefully back to playing games and stuff again. That would be excellent. Uh, the uh, the crew misses you. They've been they've been asking between uh, work and illness. You've been uh, oh, MIA for uh, most of this league, but uh, I, yeah, I have not actually gotten out to roll any dice in weeks. And yeah. the funny thing is that with with work being as crazy as it was, I actually pulled like an eleven hour day the day that I found out <laughs> I had COVID. Oh, I was like. It's not helping anything. Got to get this project done, and I was like feeling awful by the end of the day, and I was like, I better go home and test. And of course, <laughs> positive. So it's like, oh, of course, I was spending like eleven hours at work, and then you know was COVID positive the entire day. That's probably good. Uh, and then even then, uh, I think I was hitting you up, and you were like still working from home <laughs> with COVID. The, the curse yeah, of well, uh, curse of remote work. So. Yep. Yeah. Can't get away from it. Well, it hit my household too. Uh, my, uh, my wife's upstairs sleeping. She's, she's got it. So, uh, double, double Corona. It's starting to look like a triple Corona. No, <laughs> oh, not, no. I feel fine. I hope not. Okay. Yeah. Let's not <laughs> no. jinx that. Yeah. Yeah. Bad jokes. Anyway, uh, we have an episode for folks today. We are covering, uh, Deep cuts, overlooked gems, uh, needles in the haystack, whatever you want to call it. Cards that uh, listeners think are cool, but uh, think that uh, maybe don't get as much attention as they should. Um, that's something I've been wanting to do for a little while. The idea popped in my head, and uh, we've got a lot. We've got a lot of options to cover. Yeah, um, we'll talk about it a little bit more in a second. We've got some community shoutouts. I actually have like the most community shoutouts I've ever uh ever like compiled uh we're not going to hit them all i'm going to save some for the next episode um because for context we are recording on a rare possible we'll see how this goes but a rare possible uh same day release usually it takes me several days to go through the edits believe it or not this does get edited uh, <laughs> it, may, it may not sound like it but uh i do try to clean up the audio and um get rid of the if you think you hear me saying um a lot, man, you should hear the unedited uh, versions because it yeah. is gross. Um, but uh, we're, we're going to try and stay on track here. I'm just going to hit the time sensitive ones. So right now there is the Vassal Brawl going on. That is uh, an event that is the first time they've run it. It had four, I want to say four different qualifiers. You could They were kind of open to sign up. And uh, they take the top two from each of those qualifiers, and now it's like an invitational. So the top two mm -hmm. from each of those four are playing in an eight-person tournament. Uh, the first round is going on right now. I think the first match, uh, Diablerist advanced past. I want to say past or, but I may be wrong. Uh, I think uh, I think Gitz might have advanced on in the very first match. There's a lot of death in there. Anyway, uh, the next game is airing. If you're hearing this, either. 
It's, it's airing on Sunday the 12th. Uh, and Shuby plus various other individuals uh, that he recruits will be trying to provide uh, during the game commentary, which is r- really fun. I've only gotten to see that once or twice, that sort of Ooh. live commentary on a, on a game um, that makes it very interesting, a very unique thing. So if you got a chance, check that out. Um, other events, we have an event coming up on August 7th. we got a few more details to hammer out, but it's going to be at Noble Night Games. It's a Sunday, again, August 7th. It's going to be championship best of three, and uh, we are looking forward to doing that. And uh, come on out if you're anywhere in the area. We'd love to see you. Somebody's got to knock uh, Jazz down a peg or two. She's just getting <laughs> too big for her boots. Just a just a pile of ego, that Jazz. So. Oh, yeah, you know her. <laughs> Insufferable. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's what I'm going to keep it to. There's some great stuff going on out there, um, but we'll uh, we'll circle back around on next step because we got a lot. Phil, uh, I think we already know what the heck is going on with you. Yeah, well, done been sick. <laughs> done, done been sick. Uh, have not done any stuff. I right before I got sick, I did sort of. We played a game where I played my Hrothgorn that oh, yeah. uh, went fairly well, although I did end up losing the game. And I've made a few edits to that sort of here and there um so excited to try that again probably going to be what i take out I, I i also have my star blood stalkers with a whole bunch of flip tech that i think are quite good uh although the only times i've gotten to play them uh it was like really early in our before we started this most recent league and then i played you in one game and dice were just uh, a problem in that game <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh if you make five attacks and you get five crit kills uh, <laughs> in those five attacks do you think you're gonna win a game <laughs> you built a great deck uh, <laughs> uh yeah well i think both those games you mentioned i've been playing various iterations of the grimwatch um yeah and enjoying that i've been try. i tried uh, a couple different builds and hopefully i'll i'll have some more information coming out about that but uh, been enjoying them um and uh got some got some useful stuff from some folks online i I, like i've like i've shouted out before the uh, discords are great for uh spitball and kicking around some list ideas so absolutely uh, i will uh i'll credit contributors when i get a chance to talk uh, to them a little bit more about that but speaking of contributors uh here's actually the the biggest community shout out i want to do is to our listeners what uh what a response we yeah, I, I'm glad it finally tapered off a little bit because, you know, we, I put out a call on a, on several different channels. Say, hey, we're doing this. Uh, let's let's see what we can see what you have uh, for for your deep cuts. And at one point I was starting to think I'm like, I don't we may have to cut some of these out. I don't know if we're going <laughs> to talk about all these. So yeah. uh, thank you very much. If you if you sent something in, it's really awesome to see that kind of response and uh, really we really appreciate it a lot. That that kind of engagement is is really why we do this more than anything. It's certainly not for the uh, fortune and fame. So, no. uh, we're gonna jump into it. Phil, you got anything else before we start talking about some overlooked no, uh, let's, treasures? We, we got a lot of cards. Let's dive right in. First one I want to cover is from Lethnum. He uh, actually gets credit for being the first reply uh, when I when I first put something out, uh, first put out the idea. He puts on us so for a while. He was our only entry, um, and this one I'm gonna have you talk mostly about. His his first uh, candidate was Invisible Hunter from Star Blood Stalkers. Uh, uh, he described it as an interesting card, poorly executed. 
Phil, tell us yeah. about uh, what that card is and then uh, give us some thoughts. So this is a ploy for the Starblood Stalkers. Um, it's, it doesn't have like a restricted text, but it basically should because the uh, card only works with Autopodle. Mm. So the way it works is you play this and you remove Autopodle from the game. Uh, he is not considered out of action. And then this card persists until the end of the round. And when the card no longer persists, you then place him back in any empty hex not adjacent to an enemy fighter on the board. Uh, and you can't play it in round three. So like you can't just pop him off the board to stop him from getting killed. Mm. So there's a couple things uh, that make this card hard to play. Uh, that, that last line obviously means that this card is dead if you don't draw it before round three, mm -hmm. which is always tough. Um, and then the fact that it persists until the end of the round means that he yeah. doesn't come back until after you've scored your objectives, which is also really rough. Um, however, it's cool in that you do have this option to just teleport him kind of anywhere on the board or get him out of a bad spot. Sure. Uh, I think the idea is really great. I, and then like Lethem said, the execution makes it just super hard to play with because yeah. there's so many things you have to keep in mind that are all downsides. Yeah. Um, so it's a very niche card. I, when I've played pure rivals, Starblood stalkers, I actually did use this card a couple times. Um, not to any sort of really great effect, <laughs> but usually what it allowed me to do is that at the end of round one or two, I could reposition Autopodle onto a deep objective in enemy territory and then have mm. uh, the board sort of stretched on two sides. So it has some use, but I think really it's it's mostly just a flavor card. Yeah. Um, I think if, if you like that kind of mechanic it's probably something that's worth uh experimenting with but i think mm -hmm. overall you find that it's it's tough uh the one other thing that I, I didn't mention is that the trigger is until it doesn't persist so normally that is until the end of round but if you wanted to <laughs> and i don't know why you would but if you wanted to play some of the cards that can cancel persisting gambits um which might be useful for stopping some of your opponent's stuff too uh, you can actually end this early and then he pops back in whenever you end the card. Yeah, I I will say uh, if there was ever a time, it feels like we are entering that era where there is enough persisting gambits that are powerful and people are using between yeah. waypoints and uh, stuff like that, uh, that maybe, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, maybe, pretty, pro but probably tough. not. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, this is kind of the, 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 uh, perfect card for this sort of topic that, that I was thinking of when, uh, when I threw out the possibility of this, yeah. um, while we're, while we're talking about Lethnum's, uh, choices, he later threw a couple more in. we've got, uh, Prey Scent, and this is an upgrade, uh, and it is, uh, I, I, yelled at him because this is the one that I wanted to talk about for myself. So. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, it turns a fighter into a quarry. And then after uh, an enemy fighter's activation of that fighter's two hexes from this fighter, or if that fighter has three or more hunger counters, push that fighter one hex towards this fighter. So uh, this is a very also niche card. Uh, it What is crazy is it is a uh, it's a push, right? So yeah, uh, it's a repeatable push depending 
Um, so getting more than one push out of a, out of a power card is, is powerful right there. Uh, it's especially great for range one fighters because, uh, you can, the range one fighters, their, their problem is often that it's very hard for them to swing their weapon more than once in a given round. Usually it's a charge and now I'm done. And in this way, uh, depending, you, you basically have a bubble that says, Hey, if you want to go walk next to me, you can do that thing where there's a, a triangle of objectives and you stand right in the center of them. And so yep. if anyone wants to stand on any of those feature tokens, you can pull them in towards you. Um, the other thing it's great for is if somebody comes, hits you, either damages you or, or ties the attack, uh, and drives you back, you can use prey scent to pull them back towards you. And it is that, uh, that very valuable after an activation uh, after an enemy activation reaction window. So it has the ability to block quite a few um, offensive reactions, which is yeah. valuable in and of its own right. So I think mo- many decks don't have room for it. I think there's a few that do have built some steel hearts that like this. Um, and uh, I, I, I really like it in concept. I haven't got to use it very often. Yeah, so. I have to imagine that it's it's also better on larger fighters that are able to sort of withstand a few hits. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so you definitely don't just throw this in any any warband. You got to have sure. a few things sort of uh, designed for it. But it's pretty good. Um, yeah. So definitely one I've always looked at and been like, I bet there's something you can do with this, but never actually tried it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- also from Lethenum, and this uh, will lead us into some contributions from Jason Murray of the Path to Glory podcast and uh, Battle, Mad- Battle Mallet podcast. Uh, they they got on a little mini conversation of of uh, cards that are good as uh, anti um, anti exiled dead cards. Uh, mm. So depending, and that's another niche that you can talk about. Sort of those uh, the hidden gems that are that become good specifically because of a uh, a warband that may or may not be warping the meta and remains yeah. to be seen uh, whether they are. Uh, for this, uh, Lethenum came up with Silent Bracers was one, uh, mm. and this is definitely one of those cards that when I saw, I was like, or when I when I saw its name thrown out, I was like, well, I'm gonna have to go look that up because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's not one of the silent things that I see very often. So, no. um, and this one, uh, you want to run this one down for us? Yeah. So, so like all the silent relics, this one does make you a quarry. Um, and then it says that if you're a quarry, which I, I guess there are a few cards that say this fighter can never be a quarry. Um, but so it says if if this fighter is a quarry, this fighter can move through blocked and occupied hexes. So uh, that is useful if you are um, dealing with the exiled dead. Usually their strategy is to make a big wall of zombies and keep things protected. But you effectively have super flying with it, these bracers on. So then you can move right through the zombies. Uh, and then the other part of this is much more niche and probably will not be coming up very often. But uh, if this fighter's move action begins in no one's territory, this fighter has plus two move for the duration of that action. Mm. Uh, it's a pretty nice little speed boost. I'm sure that there are p- warbands with lots of pushes that you could like start a fighter near front lines, push them into, uh, you know, end up in no one's territory before you upgrade them put the upgrade on and then they can like shoot off anywhere yeah. on the board basically. Yeah. Yeah. Once you're no, no, no man's land, then an extra two move probably gets you most of the board. Yeah. Um, and, and if you do have two or more silent relics, this also does just give you a 
base just plus one move all the time so sure. if you're running other silent relics this can be just a little speed boost as well yeah um it's a solid card i speed boosts are always interesting because plus one move by itself is usually not enough plus one move in flying is probably enough to be useful that if you think that that's a strategy that you need um that this could just have merit on its own and then if you want to like lean into the quarry thing i can mm. see finding a home for this card in that, those kinds of decks where you're like if i'm a quarry i'll score stuff um, sure which is pretty solid um I think just in general, while this one is probably more niche than the rest, I really like the design of most of the Silent Relics, and I will be sad to see them go. Yeah. Uh, hopefully they... Well, I guess they're currently... The the set is uh, Illusions, I guess, is is what the... You know, the Phantom whatever's um, is, mm -hmm. is the latest. But uh, yeah. Uh, another card, and this was sort of jointly submitted by, uh, I think, Jason Murray and Lethenmar was part of their conversation was a perfect stance. And it actually took me a half second to figure out uh, why this card. And I've used this card. It was in uh, Miari's for quite a while while I was getting ready for that yeah. uh, event. This is uh, an order only card. And this fighter cannot be given stagger tokens, which right there is kind of your your anti-exile yep, uh, anti dead tech. Um, it So they, they really like capitalizing on a staggered fighter. Uh, I guess on the side it also helps against uh the claw pack and yep those rude boys when they start staggering you um and it also has the effect this fighter is a target of range one or range two attack action this fighter is considered to have one additional supporting fighter so a little extra that that part is a uh, modest but but good and in, in the right sort of thing so yeah 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 those kinds of small defensive boosts are always best if you have multiple dice on your defense rolls um and in this case, they have, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Steelheart. Mm. And so inspired, they have two blocks. So two block with additional supporting fighters. Pretty nice. Uh, yeah. And yeah, you can never get rid of that support. And since it's an additional support, then if they have one, they'll count as two. And that's pretty mm -hmm. saucy. Yeah. Uh, one thing I've overlooked a few times when I've, I, I think one or two people have played against using this uh, is that if you happen to have, um, oh shoot, what's the uh, surge for um, attacking somebody with one more supporting fighter than you? Oh uh, yeah. Um, the rec reckless, reckless swing. swing. You got it. Uh, if you have reckless swing, you can score that with a one-on-one -on -one attack here. So yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, solid. Uh, Jason Murray's other suggestion for this was painful brilliance. Uh, painful brilliance being a card from dire chasm minus one dice from range three plus attack actions that target this fighter to a minimum of one uh, and minus one dice from attack actions that target this fighter instead to a minimum of one if you have the primacy token yeah uh it's pretty rude if you're <laughs> playing the uh the orcs uh oh yeah savage orcs because they're probably yeah. having primacy most of the time so yeah uh, just always minus one dice <laughs> yeah. yeah and anyone against uh exiled dead is gonna pick it up pretty quickly with yeah that, if, so. if they're playing yeah. primacy which i don't i guess i don't even know if people are still frequently packing it um i'm I, sure it helps against exiled dead a lot so i have not seen it very much just just a few i think i think there's a few warbands that uh like to take it but 
even there, there's enough restrictions going on that it can be pretty tough to to find the room yeah. for it. Like yeah. crushes still really like it, but they've got a lot of competition for their restricted slots at this point. Oh yeah, sure do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and I think the other side of this that uh, I didn't notice until now is even the minus one dice from range three plus, if we're treating this as a anti-exile dead, well, that's not bad because you can throw... Uh, throw uh dentalos's uh attack which is which can be pivotal for uh, setting up yeah other things. one days yeah um so uh and i should say that uh jason murray probably was thinking about this because they've been doing a lot uh talk about exile dead one of the most recent battle mallet uh podcasts was specifically about uh exile dead and that's a good listen which you should go check out um god sworn gamer uh, he threw out Reckless Rush, uh, also one that I knew once I looked at, but took me a while to even remember what it was. What is Reckless yeah. Rush, Phil? Yeah, this is a gambit. Um, so you double the move characteristic of the first friendly fighter and make a move action in the next activation step until the action has been resolved. I don't, that's sort of a new wording there. I think that mm. kind of goes without saying, but they added the six extra words anyway. <laughs> uh, and then you deal one damage to the fighter and stagger them. Um, well, and what's interesting when reading this card, I think they could have put the word then deal one damage to. They could have. It's just say, two separate sentences. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a little unclear. Like, I, I think the way it's written, you would assume that they that happens after everything else. But I think they could have cleaned that up a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, but that's... We're, <laughs> <laughs> Godsworn didn't uh, throw this out to us for us to uh, talk about the semantics <laughs> of this card. What what do you think makes this a hidden gem, Phil? Uh, well, there are definitely some warbands where being able to move really fast is a really big deal. Um, and I suppose there's also just the surprise factor of being like, hey, by the way, uh, my fighter who wants to hit you really hard suddenly is like, you know, move six or move eight um and can really catch you off guard i mean i can't even imagine like hey malog you're now move six that's scary Oof. um but but yeah so um i don't know every time there's been a double move thing that's not restricted to specifically the like only move actions mm -hmm. um like being able to charge double speed is very strong so I can definitely see this coming up in a few different warbands as being useful. Uh, you can really catch people out if they don't realize that you're playing this. I don't know that if like, and I guess there's the other thing of like high speed is something that even if you know that your opponent can do it, there's not really anything you can do about it to like offset it. Because once you get to speed six or higher, there's there's no way to play around that. Like, <laughs> you're That's like the whole board. So um you can't like just hide people away and be like oh yeah i'm too far away they can't get me it's like no they're they're probably coming to get you if they want you so mm -hmm. i can see this being especially useful in warbands that want to be able to get to specific fighters mm -hmm. um in fact rats may be like this okay although the one damage on them is probably pretty pretty brutal but going to speed 10 and being able to just go get a boss when they think they can get that kill is probably a worthwhile risk. Oh, totally. Play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then some of these warbands that have pretty 
low wound fighters, some of them you're like, yeah, it's fine. I'm I'm in one shot range anyway. The mm-hmm. damage is no big deal. Yeah. If you yeah, yeah. if you hold it towards the end of the round too, you may not even have to pay the price on the stagger. Yeah. Um and like I guess this doesn't come I, I think this is maybe just with uh reverse, but like if you don't really care about your fighters dying, then yeah, the one extra damage doesn't matter either. So <laughs> maybe you want them to die. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you maybe, need them to maybe, die to win the game. <laughs> right exactly maybe you do this and you go back to that classic uh i used to do it with lethal ward uh where uh you your own fighter dies and you use that to trigger fueled by a slaughter uh, yeah so bomb bomb targor in take a take a swipe somewhere you know maybe he's got a, a weapon or something like that and then he dies and you make another attack and kind of close the close the thing out yeah i think you're well on the way your way to uh corn's chosen with that so. yeah might as well <laughs> um yeah so that's a good I, uh, that's a, another great one for this uh this category uh we got some feedback on twitter here uh nick baton from warhammer community throughout making a statement uh and his comment was in the current season it's so easy to get those three glory and this is this is the kind of card that uh, fits this category because you, it's it's why when the mechanics change on any given season, you open up the the cards and you look through everything again because all right, like what? And I I remember as the season was starting, as it was dawning on people, like this kind of card was like, oh man, like so strong, yeah. So uh, I've definitely been running with this. Uh, it's not an auto score. I really like how it fits in, uh, yep. some decks like it a lot more than others, but, uh, man, I, I, it's a, it's a, it's a cool one. Um, yeah. And, um, uh, <clears throat> similar to that Northwest underworlds, uh, throughout the, I love me some claim the city and infestation. And, uh, those are basically yeah. the same card for different factions. Claim the city, uh, slash RIP claim the city podcast first first and greatest of us uh, <laughs> um, or, and then infestation is for the gets, but these are the five glory. If you hold every objective, which used to be insane. Um, and now is a little less insane. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's a little bit of a slap in the face. That sepulchral guard got claimed the city uh, restricted. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's like, it's not that <laughs> it's, <laughs> yes, it's being used in every sepulchral guard deck but like they need it man <laughs> well they're they're uh they're they are one of now. they are they're one of the eight that's uh, competing in the uh vassal brawl finals there yeah um here's what i love about both these though is that although they are now both restricted uh anytime you're playing against a gets deck best of one especially but best of three as well uh gets or guard you're like okay like did they spend a restricted slot on this card? I have to assume they did. And so, oh, yeah. uh, I, th- this is one of those like hidden gems that, uh, those war bands love, even if they're not taking it, you know, cause they, they're, they're putting pressure on the opponent just by, just by the possibility that they can have it. Yeah. That is a big score, uh, a big score that Josh scored against me, uh, nice. real bad so. <laughs> with gets or with spoke guard sepulchral guard this yeah, is the, this is the disaster when i tried to uh play far striders into him he, he got that early i was like i think i can come back and then he got chitin scimitar and just like 
Uh-oh. slowly whittled away each of my guys. <laughs> like, oh, stupid cleave. Um, so yeah, that's no, good. And and like you say, it it makes you think. Um, you pretty much have to consider standing on an objective. Like you you must be on an objective in those matchups because you can't afford to just give up five glory. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you come back from that? <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, it it is uh, definitely panic time if they if they manage to land that one. So. Um, uh, another one, I actually think I forgot to put it in the list you're looking at here is rising water. Um, and that mm. also from, uh, Northwest underworlds on Twitter, this is one that's a minus two from each fighter's move characteristic to a minimum of zero in the next activation step. And they, uh, say a universal that they really enjoy is rising water recently after using maze breachers a couple of times, really handy to shut down a crucial charge or, uh, a territory objective grab in activation mm. four. And uh, that's true. Minus two is kind of a big chop. Um, yeah. You hate to see it if you're uh, Dwarden, if you're running Chosen Axes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I just won't move. Yeah. Um, so, uh, or even uh, throwing that down when you think that the uh, Exiled Dead are about to take a move that can really uh, yeah. limit what mobility they have. So, uh for me that it's it's the definition of a uh of this hidden gem card ends up being like that 11th 12th card but uh certainly in rivals plus uh, a look at it is worthwhile and interestingly it is a i believe exactly the same card as a faction card for the um magor's fiends oh yeah they they have a a gambit that is just until the end of the next activation enemy fighters have minus two move there's this something crazy like rivers of blood or blood rises or, blood yeah. slick or <laughs> bloody blood something, blood something about you know wading through blood and slowing people <laughs> down but yeah uh yeah that card is one that i remember using back in the day but always having a hard time figuring out when to use it um, right right but i think in this meta it's definitely even better because there's a lot of people just moving on objectives or feature tokens and yeah, I mean, if you're down to one or two hexes, you're probably not getting where you want to go. Yeah, it's the kind of card that if people are playing conservatively, uh, comes into its own. You know, sometimes at those high levels of play, it's I'm drawing cards and then I'm making that one like well, well fueled uh, activation at the end of the round, and this can kind of scuttle that. Mm-hmm. And I I do love the head games that happens in like game two and three when you know that the other player has that and they know that you know that they have that. So. <laughs> Yeah, like all right. Do I when do I pull the trigger? Do I do I set up and try and do this uh, on Definitely. round three? Or if people are dropping cards that are like in the next activation, you have plus one dice, you know, determined effort or uh, different things like that. You're waiting to see how many of those you can draw out, and then once you've got enough, that you can drop that. And it, that's actually where um, we're stalling for time with delves can actually uh, come in handy. Like, well, mm-hmm. delve. Let's let's see if you're going to put anything else on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you are. Okay, I'll delve again. Oh, another one. Okay. Guess what? The water's the water's rising. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that or or the uh, the you know single damage cards, um, which corn also or uh, Magor's also has uh, the uh, demonic resilience. Yeah. yeah, or whatever that was. Anywho, um, yeah. So an, another another good pick. Um, let's see, uh, Max Bernstein, who of the uh, late late question mark late great uh (laughs) 
Battle for Z- Salvation Warhammer Underworlds podcast. Uh, he's been dipping his toe back in. Uh, looks like he's, I, I've seen him in some online league, uh, working, getting, getting back in the swing of things. And his, uh, his new find was Wasteland. And this is the, uh, one glory end phase card for, um, no objectives in one person's territory. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 it is. Um, I've actually been playing with Wasteland quite a bit. Um, I used it in my crushes deck at uh, Adepticon, and I've been using it in pretty much all my other aggro warbands uh, since, and mm. it's been pretty reliable. You, you just mm. don't flip anything in your side and move forward, and then usually people kind of forget about it. Um, it's kind of like an automatic one glory. Yeah, I think that's nice for just to uh, don't have to change a lot about what I'm doing, uh, and I'm just going to get a little bit extra glory along the way. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got a bunch of uh, contributions from our own Sky- Madison's own Skyler. Uh, goes by OmniOps on the Discord if you're looking for him there. Uh, I'm going to start with one that he's uh, attributing to one of our other players, Alex. Um, so he uh, Skyler submitted it, but Alex kind of uh, tried it out. And this is a uh, this is niche as it gets because it's specifically good for black powder and yeah. not a lot of other spots. But he was talking about the setup. Uh, and yeah. putting that in there. Do you remind me what the setup is? Yeah, I actually really like this. Uh, so the setup is an attack action upgrade. It's one range one, two smash, one damage. It has combo, although I don't think that actually will matter here. Uh, the attack <laughs> action characteristic <laughs> cannot be modified. You skip the defense roll in the combat sequence for this attack action. The target is mm. considered to have rolled zero successes in their defense roll. Mm. And as you say, for Black Powder, that's pretty spicy. You throw this on the monkey, and he is then just uh, swinging away. Yeah. I guess you could put it on the little knoblars too. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, well, if I can just roll a success, I'm breaking one of your upgrades. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a fun find. That's uh, that's yeah. one of the ones that I love. Like somebody plays that down, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> did <laughs> my not think of that. Are that's not fun. safe anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, what else? Skyler, uh, threw out pitiable death. And this is a card. I can't tell you the number of times I've looked at this card and thought like, maybe, uh, and this is, uh, this is from dire chasm as well. It's a hybrid, uh, surge for one score this immediately after a friendly fighter's attack action that takes an enemy fighter of action. If the enemy fighter had one or more hunger counters or the enemy fighter was in a starting hex. Uh, so the starting hex is such a interesting thing because it, you're like man there there are there's 14 of them on every board um yeah and makes it makes it uh pretty it makes it feel pretty possible i will tell you what makes it feel a little rough currently is so many people care about standing on uh cover yeah they just and those by definition off. are not on starting <laughs> hexes so yeah but uh but as far as uh kill surges go uh it feels like it can just randomly end up happening. If you're playing against yeah. a storm band, you're like, yeah, this is definitely happening. They, they're going to have a hard time just getting out of the starting blocks fast enough to prevent this. Right. Um, That's probably where it shines the most. Yeah. Um, I remember being sure that this was going to be good uh, as, as cards were dropping. I was like, there's going to be more stuff for putting hunger out on, 
on other people and it never <laughs> quite materialized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you want to set this up by giving your opponent hunger, uh, wow. All right. Good luck. Um, there's a few ways to do it, but that's a lot of work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I always looked at this one thinking, oh, this will be good. And then for all the warbands I wanted to play kill surges in, there were ones that were less conditional. Um, mm, yep. So like Prothgorn, I think, is one of the warbands that I've run the most kill surges in because he's so good at just having options for killing enemy fighters. And he's got so many options that are just like, did I get a kill? I'll score yeah, a glory. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, okay. I mean, there's no hoops to jump through there. It's like, did your leader get a kill? Yes, it's Rothgorn. Yeah. Uh, did a hunter kill a quarry? Well, yeah, yeah. it's Rothcorn. <laughs> did a quarry die? Yes, it's Rothcorn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think this one is almost like is a well-designed card. It just kind of gets left off to the side because they designed a lot of kill surges that are just like, did you do a thing? Good job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I, I uh, skipped uh, over some of uh, Skyler's discussion on it, which was okay. rude of me. But uh, one thing, and I, this is kind of a recurring theme for me, some of my some of my favorite card interactions are, are what he talks about here. Uh, if you know your opponent has it, you start looking at the board. They're going to start looking at the board differently. Yep. Um, and, and their second or third games, they're going to get in their head over it and like, oh, man, I'm... Uh, can I afford to leave that person on a starting hex or do I want to all of a sudden like, well, the best place for me to charge here is, you know, into the spot, but that is a starting hex and then I'm setting them up for the counter punch with a surge. Yeah. So yeah, good stuff. Very good. Um, another one is uh, something right out of essentials bag of tricks. Uh, and this is going to come as no surprise uh, from somebody who plays uh, the wild hunt. That they, mm -hmm. <laughs> that they, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, for, for folks who don't know, uh, do you want to run down Bag of Tricks quick? Yeah, good call. So this is an upgrade. Uh, again, it's coming out of the Essentials pack. Um, and it is uh, uh, action. So whoever it's on has to take this action. Uh, search your power deck for a card, reveal it to each opponent, and add it to your hand. Then shuffle your power deck and give this fighter one charge token. Uh, so it is a way to spend an action. And we, we've, we've talked about it. Like the cost on this is pretty high. Yep. Um, uh, an entire action and giving a charge token is is a lot to deal with. But what what you find is that there are certain decks that can find ways to leverage this. Uh, Molog uh, being the classic example, um, I, yeah. I definitely abused this card. Uh, at, sure did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, if you're running a deck that really cares about particular power cards, then all the more powerful. Or a deck that uh, benefits from having charge tokens. So yep. Um, the the wild hunt obviously being one where having a charge token can inspire them or does inspire them uh and this is a way so uh skylar mentions it's most powerful in round one uh the strength that offer here is makes an auto include in round one the card can allow a fighter to stay back in a safe position get them inspired for round two and get you a card that could be instrumental in dealing with the current board state so you know so you can say uh let me set this up i am going to uh, make sure that you know, uh, one of my key fighters gets uh, inspired without having to risk them because that's always a thing with the wild hunt, right? Like, yep. uh, I can charge, but I'm gonna have to bomb a fighter forward into a vulnerable position. And often until they're inspired, they're, uh, kind of squishy. So, yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, and I think people are probably aware of this, but this card's pretty darn good in the exile dead 
Mm. If you want to go that route, I don't know that they need it, but like if you wanted to, you can put it on um, Halbert, dude, Regulus, Regulus, yeah. uh, and because he can just keep taking this action over and over and over again. Um, yeah, yeah, I was thinking about that. I'm trying to think what power card that they want so badly that they would do. Yeah, such I don't a know thing, that they do, but... Um, but you can certainly abuse this if there is something that you need. <laughs> yeah. And in those occasions, you know, sometimes you can be in this situation where like, well, you know, I'm taking the first activation, but I'm not ready to commit to something yet, you know, in, in the later rounds. So mm -hmm. uh, do that. Um, Skylar mentions that in later rounds, you know, with the wild hunt, then Legain, Legain can actually carry this background. So, so can squigs, which I've done, you know, that's yeah. <laughs> uh, quig running around digging through bag. Um, uh, and, and it helps. And, you know, especially if you like if you want to make sure like, Hey, I've, I've got eight cards left and I know three of them are pushes, uh, knowing that you can draw a push can sometimes be enough there. So, yeah. Uh, good choice and a good fit for this topic in my Definitely. opinion. So it's one of my favorite designed cards. I don't know that it actually plays out super well all the time, but I think the design is very spot on. Yeah. Uh, and well, and I, I think like we talked about here, like there's certain war bands that really care. I mean, you may even have a war band like um, I know that uh, Dread Pageant has a surge for everyone having a move or a charge token or something like that. So sure. uh, yeah. this this is a way that you can like, hey, I, I really want to get this particular card, but I also want to make progress towards uh, scoring this scoring this surge. So there's a few other war bands that might take a look at it because of other reasons. But yeah. Yep. Um. Other content creators that contributed, Jacko. Uh, Jacko's got his own little blog, but he is uh, also part of uh, uh, Tabletop Sydney, which has finally released another video. They were working through some household moves and all that sort of thing. And mm -hmm. and nice. uh, unfortunately for those in the Southern Hemisphere there, they uh, Australia had a uh, long delay on receiving Nether Maze. So they finally got it. Oh, so they no. can finally start releasing uh, that content long delayed? for that. Wow. So, Oh yeah, like Banana Town. Um, so I'm sure they're excited to be back in the mix. I haven't had a chance to watch that next video, but I'm really glad to see that they're back in action. So, uh, but that's a lot to talk about them. The card is Perfect Strike. So yeah. this is a surge, surge duel. Score this immediately after friendly fighters attack action that took an enemy fighter out of action. If the attack roll contained only successes and or critical successes and the uh, attack action dealt the precise amount of damage necessary to take the target out of action. Uh, man, that's a lot of caveats. However, oh, yeah. uh, uh, two glory surges are few and far between. Um, I guess unless you're claw pack, then <laughs> got them for days. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, this is, this is another example of that niche card where, uh, depending on what you have access to, this may actually be, uh, worthwhile. So for here, um, I know Matt from uh set to tempo uh he was running for a while with rippas because here's the things like you get that bite often that bite yeah. would finish it off and often if especially on the uninspired the bite only even lands if you roll that yeah you're, you're only rolling one success, dice you know so. yeah exactly so and you're often doing it with just like oh i i randomly crit on a bite and uh, i killed a you know at the time it'd be like oh i, I killed one of uh the Briar Queen's Thorns, like okay, yep. Uh, I guess I'll, I guess I'll get three glory for that. Sweet, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's definitely an interesting one. Uh, you, you know, needing to only roll successes means more dice actually hurts your chances of scoring this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, 
What are they called? Uh, Give me a clue. The, Give me the a hint. Bone, bone, bone Boys, the new Canaan's bone. Reapers. Canaan's Reapers. I've only used it with Canaan's Reapers. They're actually mm-hmm. on the card art as the one scoring this. <laughs> uh, but the reason being is that you have access to some pretty easy double supports. So if yeah. you're on Smash with double supports, you're probably rolling successes more often than not. And then you mm-hmm. just have to manage to get that one hit kit or well get the exact damage for the kill um yeah and natterite can make that a little complicated for them it but, does uh, yeah. uh, but you do have a, a number of different damage characteristics you got a number That's of different true. ranges like they've, yeah. they've got some avenues to making this happen similar i mean you still have to luck into it a little bit but yeah it can be worthwhile well, and even canon has uh, hatred of living for a reroll, which makes this more scorable any yeah. warband running rerolls. so jacko's example and he had just released yeah. an article worth uh worth checking out but uh it was uh talking about miari's uh how he'd done with that at a tournament and my experience uh with miari's is that you are leaning into rerolls as much as possible so yep. um uh i think i even ran i ran the lighter version of this the uh um unequal contest which is just did i have an attack roll that had only successes in it yep. um so definitely uh pretty, pretty solid yeah uh, if you are if you're feeling greedy, reach for it. <laughs> Mikhail twelve fifty six throws out Omega's offering. Um, yeah. What what do we got for Omega's offering there? Yeah, so Omega's offering is a bit of a weird card. Um, so this one is a persisting game hit where you choose one friendly fighter and put one. Well, I guess it's not even. Pers- yes, it is persisting. Okay, so you choose one friendly fighter. And put a glory point on their card. And then after the fighter is taken out of action by an enemy warband, so not specifically an attack, it can just be the warband, you gain the glory point on this card. So effectively, mm. it's just saying, I'm going to make it so when you kill this fighter, the scoreboard doesn't change. Like mm-hmm. You get one, but I get one. Mm. Um, I think this works really well in a lot of warbands where you don't care about your fighter dying or you're just trying to like cover for fighters dying like if you're Mm -hmm. worried that lots of fighters are going to die this can be a really nice way to just make it uh that much harder for your opponent to gain ground on you yeah um yeah uh i uh it especially is enjoyed by someone like spike claw who also get a choose out of this right so junior friendly fighter yep yep um, it's pretty solid stuff on him um i've you i used it in one of the uh grimwatch builds i was running just to just to try it out and uh it is a little tricky because i i with that many fighters i put it on someone they're like fine i'll just kill somebody else yeah. so you really have to use this and this is what uh this is what zach did really well when he was playing and what some of those high level players can do is just give you lots of bad choices so he'd wait to put this on somebody they're like man i really want that person to die yeah i need uh, that rat off that objective <laughs> yeah i need them off that objective or they've got a good weapon or you know whatever the case may be um and so you know the the real trick can be hey there's a there's a fighter that is uh tooled up on defense so they're not a very attractive target and this more vulnerable one uh is an easier get but darn they've got a mega's offering and now i can't yeah uh, really accelerate away so well, and i think we're zach also used this to really good effect was that he was also running all the other things that make yeah. it unappealing to kill fighters and so then it would be like well if i kill that one he's got screaming demise and that one's got the dying curse and this one's got omega's offering oh man yeah 
who's, uh, who's the least bad option? Here? Yeah, Mikhail sums it up real well. It says, uh, do you take them out and give me a glory to use all my stronger fighters? Or do you avoid taking them out to deny us both the glory and let me use them to annoy you the entire match uncontested? The choice is yours, but I'm not mad about either. Yep. So, uh, and then also this is, uh, if you're running, maybe if you're running one of these, this, this feels like a card for these more passive decks. Mm -hmm. Um, so where it's really hard, you're, where you're doing sort of, uh, I guess like the, uh, control decks where you're trying to deny a bunch of glory. Um, and then it gets real hard. The other person is not scoring a bunch. And so then, uh, keeping pace with whatever they do score is tough. Plus it can feed into the, uh, I think, is it, uh, promise of destruction, is the one glory end phase for persisting because this persists for so long you can drop it in round one and then whenever uh whenever promise of destruction comes up mm -hmm. uh, it'll it'll score because you've got uh, you know assuming yeah. that this fighter's still around so yeah maybe maybe you were right maybe there are just enough persisting gambits uh, hanging out there they should be running the like cancel a persisting gambit thing i i don't know if uh if bringing up enough uh cards in specifically the episode about <laughs> it, <laughs> gems is a reason to take it but uh no. but point taken uh chad Wright talks about plunder the graves so plunder the graves is a gambit uh it is specifically for death uh yeah shuffle your power discard pile face down and draw the top card return that card to your hand uh and chad wright says it's so damn useful getting a ploy back to use twice has been huge and i don't think a lot of people run this card i've had daylight robbery go off twice in one case gross yeah. uh but cards like hypnotic buzz center of attention or suffocating mist getting double use is phenomenal it's great when you have it in opening hand of course because you can just play it immediately after you use your first ploy to ensure you know what you'll get back but it's still great later in the game and adds a bit of extra random drama to the game. Uh, yeah. So mechanically trying to think about this card, what, what this is, is really just like a, a nothing, right? Like this is a null mm -hmm. card. Like this is a copy of a card yet to be determined. Um, probably a gambit because that's what most of your discard pile is going to be. It may end up being an illusion though. Um, or, yeah. or some rude black powder player is breaking your upgrades. Or if you're using uh, upgrades that break themselves, which are often quite powerful. Um, so uh, yeah. getting getting a second look at one of those. Um, it's a kind of card that's tough for me to include sometimes because I, I'm like, I don't know what it actually is. You know what I mean? Like you, mm -hmm. you don't look at it and say, this is another push. You're like, well, it might be another push. Yeah. <laughs> or it might be I don't another. Know what this is. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's essentially just like you say, it's a copy of another card of your deck. And the way to think about it would be it's a copy of the average card in my deck because um, you don't know what you're going to get. But if you know that on average you're running like seven bushes mm -hmm. and you know you're going to want more pushes, yeah, then you have a pretty good chance of this coming back as a push. Um, that's, that's a good point, because if you are if you're that heavy into one particular thing, then by the time you're looking for your eighth push, it may, it may not be a very good push anymore, right? Like right. You're, you're kind of scraping the bottom of the push barrel. Um, and so then this is like, hey, you know, rather than take that crummy one, why don't you take another one of the ones you've already taken? So Yeah. It's not a card I've played with. I haven't played any death since uh, Nether Maze, or mm. I don't even think I've played any death since Harrow Deep came out. Um, wow. But I know a lot of their, yeah, their faction cards are pretty strong. Our Grand sure. Alliance, not faction, but um, this is, I, yeah, I could see running this. That you sort of have to have a good reason to want a copy of another card in your deck. But like, 
there's, there's solid uses for that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We've got Baconborn. Uh, Baconborn runs the Determined Effort blog. Uh, and Baconborn throws out Dark Fortitude. If you want to give us a rundown of Dark Fortitude. Yes. So Dark Fortitude is, uh, you cannot give this upgrade to a large fighter. So quick caveat to start things off. Then it has a reaction. So you use this after an activation step in which this fighter took one or more actions. If this fighter is in a cover hex, heal to this fighter and then break this card. Mm -hmm. Um, Best part of this card is that it's got Garrick on it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah which uh it, it's a classic thing that where they do where they're like uh let's show a fighter on here that is from a warband that probably doesn't actually take this yeah like, who's, um, who's, who's healing reavers come on yeah no no <laughs> i don't think anybody's healing reavers yeah but this is pretty interesting um this is effectively like a healing potion that you will use uh <clears throat> you know you only put it out when you know you're gonna need it i would yeah. guess um, but because you can pretty much guarantee that it'll go off, it's, you know, it's got, it's yep. got its uses. I think the, the limitation for, you can't give this to a large fighter is pretty nice. Uh, yep. I, I do like that they limit that because otherwise it'd be like, well, yeah, I'll heal to Motlog. Um, yep. I guess one thing to sort of comment on there is that all of those checks for when you can play, Upgrades only apply when you're playing them. So if you play mm-hmm. this and then put like plus wounds on a fighter to make them yeah. large, they still yeah. keep this. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know where I would use this, but I can imagine that it could be useful. Um, well, Baconborn says, uh, even I was kind of down on this card initially, but it's a really nice card on four wound warbands, especially worm spat, which, mm, yeah, because yeah, those guys sense. can often sneak, sneak out of an attack action with just one or two health left mm-hmm. and they reduced it. Uh, so it works as, like you said, a healing potion substitute. Now that the primary healing cards got restricted. Uh, and then he also points out you can even give it to a fighter and then give him plus one wound upgrades after the fact. The obvious limitation is that it doesn't work if you get one shot. But there's a number of damage negating options in the game right now that can make it more reliable. So uh, yeah. for me, anyone with that damage limitation, I think, likes this. Like I think Ripa, it can be handy um, yep. because uh, Ripa can off, off, can often... Uh, stack defense and then um, uh, get and then using like narrow escape then uh, kind of survive an attack that maybe shouldn't have survived um, mm-hmm. so forcing someone to get through that stacked defense more than once is is tough so yeah I think this is a cool pick oh also fun for denying chum the waters says bacon porn so sure that is a card that's all over the place right now so, yeah 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 pretty solid yeah um console mikhail uh gives uh for a less popular card uh hidden sting from the silent menace yeah uh so hidden sting this is a card that i included in uh at least a rivals plus deck um Uh, yeah i I mean i think it's really good in rivals plus and i think it's even just decently solid yeah yeah uh, reaction, play this after a friendly fighter successful range one attack action. If there were one or more crits in the attack roll, deal one damage to the target. Uh, so console says, uh, it's not quite twist the knife for those people that played in the first couple seasons, uh, but it is a possible way to surprise spike damage. It can even be a counter to cards like narrow escape and berserk fortitude as it deals damage after the activation. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll definitely try to put it into my, uh, 
deck as it will uh, make for some possible nasty surprises. It couples well with Grievous and with the amount of rerolls you can get uh, in uh, Claw Pack, I think he's talking about. It certainly has drawbacks like not adding damage to the actual attack action, being unpredictable. Silent Helm can block it, and it's a reaction, so it can be blocked. Um, But uh, there are lots of cards that are just playing better than this one, but it's overlooked in his book, and uh, any Warband with several three dice range one attacks should consider this. I think that's super solid. Yeah. Um, I've certainly come around more on Grievous as an effect. Uh, Mm -hmm. I used to think like, well, how often am I going to roll a crit? But on three Mm -hmm. plus dice, I feel like it actually comes (laughs) up a lot. Um, I I was definitely moaning about that. I was like, man, it feels like every time I'm playing against Grievous these days, they're like, you know, like, well, if I, if I trigger Grievous, I'll just one shot you. And then goes off. <laughs> it's feeling really rough, Grievous. You're giving me a real hard time of it. Uh, but yeah, this this uh, this is like kind of like double Grievous. Uh, and I really like the point about the damage mitigation it happening after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, somebody's got to somebody may say like ah, I don't need to narrow escape this, or they do to survive on the one, and then you say, well, no, nope, you die anyway. Him, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, again, the head game sort of thing somebody then has to be like, okay, you know, if they can reduce it by more than one, like thinking of a uh, berserk fortitude in, um, they say like, well, I kind of want these walk counters for something else, but <laughs> should I use enough to keep myself alive on two? Uh, or should yeah. I, should I be worried about hidden sting popping out? I mean, it, that literally not, not with hidden sting, but that came up in our game. Uh, one that we were doing was practice game for, yeah. uh, needing to be alive on more than one, life yeah. so that you didn't yeah, use yeah. uh channel the wind channel the wind yeah yeah i was like it's a channel something channel <laughs> something yeah. uh so yeah this is i i think that i would rather see more of plus damage in the game come from things like gambits mm. than always like plus damage upgrades um just because it's less consistent you only get it like one time um, I don't know. One shot meta gets a little tiresome. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and uh, but it's specifically gambits that do it like this, where yep. it has to be range one, and you have to have a crit. Like that's more situational, so it's not just omnipresent. Like we we went through that uh, yeah, pit trap twist. and twist the knife uh, <laughs> thing. We're all always sudden, extra damage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, trap pit trap twist the knife. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, that really stacked up in a hurry and that yeah. was essentially doing the same thing it was it was felt more one shotty and this this uh more situational is is kind of fun yep um our own brian uh throws out uh dark inversion and he calls it wickedly disruptive uh actually let's uh let's run through that card real quick yeah so this is this is a pretty new one um i had thought about it haven't played with it much i did have it played against me uh believe brian played it against me <laughs> so you pick two feature tokens in empty hexes and then you place each feature token in the hex the other feature token was in when you picked them uh the play here usually is to pick one of the feature tokens in your opponent's territory that's an objective and swap it for one of your cover hexes in your territory yeah um or conversely, if you know that they are in invading hold or something like that, like they really want to yep, hold, yep, you can move them out uh, of your territory as well. Yeah, you can you can deplete objectives from your own territory if somebody's running something like uh, treasure hunters or 
Um, I've had cases where there was like only one objective in one of the territories and you can bring it down. Like now there's, now there's not even any, yeah, there's now uh, zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a really interesting card. This card would have been better probably, uh, back in the day of hold objective land, um, where objectives mm. were face up to start the game. It's probably mm. better that it exists not in that meta because, <laughs> oh, I started with two but now I can just pick one of yours and put it in my yeah. territory. Yeah, that'd be yeah. rough. Um, or even like, I mean, if this existed in the days of lethal hexes, which were also oh, feature geez. tokens, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. weird stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, he talks about it as being wickedly disruptive as a passive hold objective warband. You can guarantee three objectives or have four for oppressively reliable scoring. Uh, in an aggro, it could be an unexpected control play. Um, yep. And I, uh, for me, I, I really, I've used it a couple times. Sometimes it's been uh, really impactful. Sometimes not so much. Uh, but it is, I mean, it's a the, it is a good fit for this episode because uh, in the in the decks where it's real good, it's really good. Uh, and other decks are like, I would never bring this in a million years. You know, like there's not there's not enough upside for me to. Uh, I'll just take a push instead. Uh, and also I was surprised how late in the game it remained useful. You know, I was like, well, all the tokens will get covered up and then, then what's the big deal. But as, as fighters get knocked off of, uh, feature tokens and all that sort of thing, like opportunities kept arising to be able to, to use it. So, um, yeah. it was, it was a card that was better. I included as like a, ha ha, I'll try this. And then was pretty impressed with it once I had it in. Yeah. Um, Next one we'll attribute to uh, both Brian and Skylar. This is uh, Swarming Darkness, and I'm totally on board with them on this one. Um, this is, uh, well, for one, Kishitaka is getting a little goopy on here. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is choose one friendly fighter and pick one feature token within three hexes of that fighter. If that feature token is an objective token, flip it. Otherwise, move that feature token one hex towards this fighter. Uh, so... This feels like restless prize often for me. Like this yes. is that thing, and it doesn't have a caveat about it having to be empty, which is what what uh, many of these cards have been uh, requiring of late. So you can pull a feature token out from underneath somebody, provided it's on its cover side. Yep. Um, and then have it for yourself. A uh, lot of applications here, like remove a defensive boost. Um, you can you can actually use it to uh, if you position it a particular way. You can pull it under somebody to uh, score chum or um, or lost in shadow. Like yep. there's there's a lot of fun manipulation. That's I, I really got uh, restless prize vibes. Uh, these guys uh, mentioned if you are next to the target, and the tar uh, token is a gloom token. It's as good as confusion. Um, yep. If if they delve into an objective right before the end phase, you can flip it back to gloom to cripple hold objective scoring. Um, and, uh, lots and man, being able to reach out three from, from, uh, one of your fighters is that's often how far objectives are apart. So you can be standing on an objective and disrupt somebody else's, um, feature token hold. Very so. true. It's a good card. Uh, you yep. definitely need to be in a, a deck that cares about tokens to mm. want to use this but for mm -hmm. every deck that does you probably want to play it i was talking to uh wath lab about uh about decks for chosen axes of all things and mm -hmm. i noticed he didn't have this in here i was like that's crazy like you care about feature tokens well 
what he was talking about is a strategy of, of flipping things over and leaving them on the objective side. Uh, and once you've done that, it's, it's, uh, maybe less useful. And, and I encountered this, it was almost like he gave me a prophetic warning on this. So I was playing against Storm of Celestis, uh, who don't just care about objectives, but they often care about objectives mid round. And I don't, I'm not sure if it was like, uh, like super good tech or just, uh, uh, or what, but my opponent was flipping these objectives, uh, vent, shake my fist in your general direction. <laughs> he was flipping these objectives, uh, pretty early. And all of a sudden I was like, well, this card's kind of dead because he flipped them so early. I couldn't deny with the last thing like it, this, this wasn't going to apply, uh, cause mm -hmm. I couldn't flip it cause he'd be able to delve it back if he'd waited till the end. Uh, and I can't drag it out from underneath him because it's an objective. So, right. Um, so errors made there on, on my part. And I even held this, uh, card from round one to round two, thinking that surely, surely an opportunity will come up where this is useful. That was <laughs> not, not so correct. Much. So, uh, that was the example. And then again, uh, you can develop that, develop that, uh, head game with, um, yeah. uh, like forcing people to, to, uh, delve or flip objectives a little earlier than they might otherwise do. So, uh, yeah, real good pick for this. Um, next up, another, another local through something at us is cam, uh, penumbral lock. That's a real deep cut. Yeah. So, tell me about penumbral lock. Yeah. So penumbral lock is a persisting gambit. Again, another persisting one. Objective tokens cannot be flipped. This effect persists until the end of the round or until one or more objective tokens are moved into an adjacent hex. Kind of a weird uh, secondary caveat there. I don't yeah, know really. how often that's going to come up. Um, but yeah, so if you're, again, if you're a warband that wants the objective tokens and you don't want them to be getting flipped, talk about a way to just completely lock the board state in and be like, nope, we're not yeah. delving. We're not, I mean, you can delve if they're, on the cover side, but you can't get them back to uh, being cover. So that is a pretty interesting one. I don't know how many warbands want this, but for the ones who do, it probably is like home run. I just won the game <laughs> kind of situation where you're like, I got my objectives and you can't stop me from having my objectives. Well, yeah, and this is the genre of power card that I really wanted to see right when we saw Hero Deep Drop. I'm like, there has to be cards that mess with the with the ability to delve. Yeah. Right. Like that that's gotta come up. Um yeah, I I I have a hard time thinking of the warband that actually wants to run this right now. Uh but this is a card card I see that I say like there's somebody that has a mad science build that this is actually key for. Like this, this feels like the card that, you know, if, uh, uh, Michael from steel city comes back in, uh, <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, Hey guys, what's up? Anyway, uh, I've got an eyes of the nine build and it uses the penumbral lock and you're like, that sounds terrible. And he's like, uh, I'm going to beat you by 14 glory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something so, crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, if this just said outright, like, feature tokens can't be flipped, this would be insane. Um, but you're right. I think I think this is definitely the kind of space where we need to be in because it's like everybody's flipping stuff. Uh, yeah. Here's a way that you can counter that without it being busted because obviously yeah. if this had feature tokens, that would be, like, turn off all the scoring from flipping. <laughs> yeah. I, I almost wish this is a waypoint um, so that it would last uh, from yeah. across multiple rounds. Right now, it'll, it'll just uh, last until the end of the round. Um, 
but yeah, um, it, uh, it's a cool one. Um, and with all the, all the different cards that benefit from people being on cover, you can, you can catch somebody out after they scored their ever downwards and say, Mm -hmm. all right, those are, those are staying that way. Um, compact now (laughs) of the set the tempo, uh, blog unsurprisingly. (laughs) Yeah has one that involves primacy we mm-hmm. know how much uh we know how much compact loves the the mad mob um untapped resources so untapped resources uh i've i've included this card a couple times Same. um and uh and yeah actually because you had it when you were trying out your uh star blood stalkers primacy build right i did um yeah. shelved that build uh okay. because i think flip tech's stronger but uh certainly interesting to have the option to mm-hmm. you know a you know if you do care about objectives holding two is not super hard and then yeah. b, uh the choices that you have here are pretty great if you know you can get primacy back you can just draw three cards if you know mm-hmm. you need primacy badly uh, having a way to get it uh by spending one glory is pretty solid yeah Play this only if your warband holds two or more objectives. Pick one, spend one glory point, and gain the primacy. Or discard the primacy token and draw three power cards. Drawing three is nuts. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't I, know I, if we've... I played this yeah, with we, Mad Mob as well. And yeah. having access to three power cards was pretty good sometimes. Yeah. Um, Compact says uh, it's not for every build, but anything that runs primacy... Um, and not just Mamma, put in a dread pageant and they can score everything to prove in surge of aggression with it, or just draw three more power cards to try to get silver lining. It's gotten better since early non aggro glory is more available now too. Yeah. It's a great point. Cause, uh, you can, you can walk onto two, uh, delve for sudden revelation. Now you've got the glory. Now you can get primacy. Um, and yeah, yep. I, I think, I think, uh, ways of getting primacy just with power cards is, is pretty nice. That makes that even more reliable. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. There, there've been times where I've pulled out a power card to gain primacy and, you know, the look on your opponent's face when they just realize that, (laughs) okay, I can't get it back now. There's literally no way to do it. So you're just going to guaranteed glory out of this. Um, Sure. Sure. So I, it's can be pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, and they, uh, especially for, um, for mad mob you know as the obvious thing of being able to inspire extra fighters or sometimes uh the discard is just as important discarding it so that you can gain it from Mm -hmm. something else you know yep yep yeah uh combat's got another one swarming advance you want to run that down for us real quick yeah so this is a pretty fun one this is gambit uh you choose one friendly fighter in enemy territory and push up to two other friendly fighters one hex so they're closer to that chosen fighter um obviously you want to have a few different fighters um and you you need to be able to play into opponent's territory but as soon as you do this is just a push two um mm-hmm. push twos are always solid i think even having the restriction that they have to be closer to that chosen fighter isn't that much of restriction because one hex towards the opponent territory is going to pretty well satisfy this condition mm-hmm. um I, I've seen this used with uh, Spike Claw Swarm to have pretty nasty effect. Uh, bomb a rat onto an objective in enemy territory, push two other rats forward, and inspire the first one that you chose. Yeah. Seems uh, pretty good. Compact brings that up specifically. If you place the fighter in enemy territory well, really your your two pushes are kind of wherever you want it. Like closer is going to be 
uh, you're going to have a lot of flexibility with that if you do well with your placing. Yeah. Um, it does say most people view it for aggro, which it is good for. But just like you were talking about, Phil, it, I, he says uh, it can just push two fighters at the back on the feature tokens. So if you set your tokens uh, intelligently when you're deploying, um, you can do this sort of thing. Um, so he says it's good for Skaven. You can move Kirk across, inspire him to two shields, and push two other fighters onto tokens. And now all of a sudden, like one activation and a power card, and you're standing on three. Yeah. Oof. Um, <laughs> and step between shadows, there are other ways to get across that isn't an early charge. So you can they you sure can uh, two power card something and and get across. So yeah, um, yeah, really cool one. I uh, also in, had it in uh, Rivals Plus and uh, enjoyed it for uh, I specifically it was for Reavers, so I could. Um, bomb in and then get uh get some extra hits going so yeah yeah uh don't don't sleep on double pushes even if they're restricted uh double sure. push is very powerful every warband yeah. that has one plays it all the time and mm -hmm. so having a generic one is more powerful than you might think yeah uh here's one that i i find some people love and some people hate and josh's <laughs> uh my size fits all uh, throws out halls yeah. of hall of hidden eyes halls of hidden eyes uh, this is a waypoint and means that roles of single supports and double supports are successes in attack roles if the target is in a cover hex. This effect persists until another waypoint is played. Um, and he says there was a lot of talk about it in anticipation of Shadeborn. It hasn't really seen people playing it. Adding two success options to attacks for making or making cover hexes at no-go zone is uh, is big, especially for aggro. Um, I, I definitely put this in a far strider deck which had oh, yeah. other issues but man it was like wow all of a sudden like the only things that are not successes uh on this are, are smashed like let's let's get it done yeah yeah i think it works best with ranged attackers um mm -hmm. i think you'd also want to be in, i think the reason you probably don't see it a lot is everyone kind of cares about cover hexes right now and you don't want this to suddenly turn against you mm -hmm. um if your fighters are hanging out in cover and all of your opponent's attacks are getting single and double supports uh could be kind of rough um something i've yeah. thought about for uh playing with um thundrix profiteers i haven't built mm. them yet i've been thinking about it though and they probably are kind of okay with this because they have a lot of range three and mm. suddenly having all those range three attacks be super accurate would be pretty good yeah for sure uh and they have uh, at least one of their surges, um, and depending if you're feeling saucy and take perfect strike as well, but, uh, <laughs> they have a steady aim, which is a, you know, if all, all, all rolls in your attack yeah. action were successes. So this can, uh, this can feed into that sort of thing. Um, yeah, uh, I like it. And then at, at the time there was also some talk of like using waypoints to break other waypoints. Uh, I don't know that we've seen a whole lot of that. But, I haven't seen it at all. I actually haven't yeah. seen anyone play a waypoint yet. But I know in theory. <laughs> yeah. uh, Shuby, the great Shuby, uh, threw okay. out uh, for it. He didn't give uh, explanations on these, so we're gonna we're gonna uh, give our guess. own justification. Um, Shadow Spear, first up. Uh, uh, tell me about Shadow Spear. I've I've been victim to this this particular <laughs> upgrade. Uh, so this is a. Weapon upgrade is reach two, three smash for two damage with cleave. So crazy mm. good. Uh, caveat that makes it less good. This fighter cannot make this attack action unless they are in a cover hex. However, mm 
<laughs> there's a lot of cover hexes right now. Yeah. Um, so in particular, this was uh, Brian played this against me when he was using his claw pack. Uh, I'm not 100% sure claw pack needed it, but it certainly worked. <laughs> um, yeah. I think any warband that would like to have reach two could pretty well benefit from this and there it's not an illusion so it doesn't break so you you just as long as you can position your attacks this is a pretty solid upgrade yeah i liked it in uh i, I had it in my grim watch I, I like it for warbands that care about standing on objectives because you can mm. uh have it be a cover do some damage from there while standing on that range two is nice because you gives you more options for yeah. attacking while still being on something. And then when you're ready, you delve it to what you need it to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I bet sepulchral guard could use this pretty well too. Sure. Uh, petitioners need something to make them useful. And <laughs> this would certainly do that. That could do the trick. Uh, Shuby's got another weapon here. Phantom fathomer. Uh, this is definitely one that I've not Huge considered choice. until he made yeah. me look at it harder. So this is an attack action upgrade range one, one smash two damage grievous. Uh, but the thing that unlocks this is the attack action has plus one dice for each upgrade. The target has that means once I've got one upgrade, you're at a decent attack action Two yep. smash two damage. Grievous probably wouldn't take that as soon as they got two upgrades. It's a really good attack action. Yep. Three smash, two damage. Grievous is is hot, and then it can obviously like the sky's the limit. Uh, and the other thing is often on those like I think of the number of times we're we're gonna mention Brian again here, but the number of times that he's stacked a ton of upgrades on like uh, Glissette, right? Like, yeah. Like sure. okay, well, sure you've got you know Silent Helm and all these other things. Uh, Silent Helm is gonna stop one of my crits, but uh, I'm throwing five dice at you or whatever so like right. if i get two crits I'm, I'm getting through and i'm i'm doing the doing the trick so um i think that's i think that's pretty interesting pretty uh pretty hot take there mm -hmm. um enough that i might have to try it out um <laughs> sure. grievous repost uh i can't uh i can't talk about this one because of ptsd so i'm gonna leave it to you <laughs> <laughs> okay sure so uh so this <laughs> this is a ploy this is a reaction um so you play this after a failed range one attack action that targets a friendly fighter now that is an important point because it's not mm. if an opponent attacks you from one hex away it has to be a range one attack action uh if there was one or more crits in your defense roll, you deal two damage to the attacker. Mm. Uh, yeah, if you've got some high number of defense dice and you know you're at least at some point going to be getting attacked with a range one attack, which I feel like happens most games, mm. this could be pretty backbreaking. Um, yeah. like going for your attack, you're like, okay, you know, even if this doesn't succeed, I'm probably moving my game state forward. And it's like, oh, by the way, your fighter's dead. And it's like, oh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, Rerolls obviously help here. You can fish for crits. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's definitely like it's not going to work for you all the time. But when it does. <laughs> yeah. Very disruptive. Uh, I can tell you somebody who definitely grievous reposted me. I'm trying to remember what warband I had, but uh, it it killed it killed a pretty decent fight. Oh, uh, I was running Soul Raid, uh, and uh, I lost. Um, shoot, I got uh, I got Fuerin killed by this. Uh, she came charging in, and uh, the fighter that killed her was none other than Stalag Squick. <laughs> so yeah. grievous reposted me. 
trying to picture exactly how that worked, but uh, uh, Jazz had that uh, that pick in there, which I guess you know the idea was that um, you try and you try and farm some glory off of like Stalag Squig or Bat Squig, and uh, if you you can accidentally kill yourself, which which I did, yeah. so yeah, rough one. Um, and then Shuby's got uh, we're gonna call this the Shrewd Wits package, so listed uh barging forward not lost spinning menace and shrewd wits uh the key piece here is the shrewd wits this is an upgrade uh turns the fighter into an assassin yeah um and then a reaction after a scatter ability is resolved and it can be friendly or enemy uh push this fighter up to two hexes uh the other cards he's listed not lost barging forward and spinning menace are all uh cards that trigger the um trigger the scatter mechanic yep uh, it's worth noting, and I had a conversation about this because I thought this card would be amazing in Grimwatch, but the uh, the Grimwatch summoning ability is not, it doesn't actually, it, while it uses a scatter token, it is not a scatter ability. It yeah. doesn't have like a bullet scatter. That would have been totally nuts. Uh, but anyway, this, man, uh, it has, the, the card shows uh, uh, Sour Tongue being dismayed that, uh, is that Crouched is leaping it, at him? Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Old move, Crouch, jumping jumping towards the uh, fanatic. Yeah, uh, the real hidden strength on on Shrewd Wits is is actually having it on Snurk because he can spin, do you know, do as much damage as you want, and then use this after his own spin to reposition yeah. into a, another threatening spot. Yeah, uh, that's. I think this. Yeah, pretty pretty saucy there. <laughs> yeah, turbo modes. I mean, even there's there's options where you don't put it on him and you're just using it to position somebody else yeah but that that is that is a big one yeah. um oof having that guaranteed uh scatter that you can just kind of rely on is pretty nice um, yeah but yeah i mean i when i first saw this i thought there's probably something to do here but i never really investigated um yeah but i like it yeah um so quite quite the package there is uh there's a couple of gets players in the uh, vassal brawl so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if they i have to imagine that shrewd wits is in both those decks we'll see how much of the full scatter packages is, is showing up there as well <laughs> yeah um but uh better better have a way to uh drop snurk if this uh if this has is showing up so yeah um and our last submission is uh silver sabbath who is a constant presence on the the discords uh fair fair to say that you'll you'll see uh silver sabbath uh posting regularly if you yeah. stick your head in uh silver sabbath put out three so there's blunt force master uh phil you know this one you were you were I, including this i do i i ran this um didn't help me at all although in theory <laughs> it should have uh <laughs> so this is an upgrade it gives all your fighters range one and two attack action stagger uh mm-hmm. as long as they're targeting an adjacent fighter um and so that's i mean that's decent stagger is useful um and then it also has a reaction that after this fighter's successful range one or two attack action you can push the target one hex away from this fighter i think the second piece is probably more useful in my mind um so if you have a fighter that you know you can't get a kill on but you need to get them off an objective no matter what, if you can land your hit, you can push them because this is a push, not a drive back. So guard doesn't stop it. Yeah. Um, never came up for me, unfortunately. But, <laughs> uh, in theory, it's useful, especially with people caring so much about positioning these days. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he says, not very good on every warband, but for those with reaction attacks and or scything or exile dead, uh, it gives decent accuracy boost with solid reaction to finish off fighters. Um, yeah, 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 totally. Giving, giving more stagger to the exiled dead certainly makes sense. Yeah, I mean, reaction attacks. I, you know, I think there's uh, there's an argument for someone like Rippos who likes to mm, yeah. uh, hit there and then have a reroll to fish for that crit on the bite. Yeah, if you can stagger them yep. on the first one, makes sense. Uh, yeah, so uh, lots of possibilities there. We got uh, another one from Silver Sabbath barging forward. Uh, thinks it's one of the most uh, one of the strongest pushes that exists now, uh, a little bit random, but we can controlled thanks to the wording. So read off, uh, read that off for me. And we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. This is a, one of the longest cards I think <laughs> they've printed in a while. So yeah. it's a ploy where you choose a friendly fighter, scatter five from the chosen fighters hex and push the chosen fighter along the chain to the end of the, to the end hex. If the chain is interrupted or if the fighter would be pushed into a hex that is blocked or occupied, do not push them any further. Uh, after the push, if the chosen fighter is a brawler, deal one damage to one enemy fighter adjacent to the chosen fighter. Mm. Um, best case scenario, this is a push five. That's yeah. pretty solid. Um, I think yep. given how scatter usually works out, this is probably not actually a push five. You're probably only getting about three hexes in the direction you want to be going. Mm-hmm um that's still pretty solid and then if you're playing brawlers i think this is the, the icing there it makes this really worthwhile you you push yourself into a position to make an attack it doesn't really matter where you end up um and then you can just ping somebody as well yeah and every time i played against this i, I it feels fairly reliable as a as a uh as a push too because the trick is you just push in the direction you want and then make the chain interrupt <laughs> Yeah, because you can you can choose how to set that chain up. So you you force it to be interrupted by, uh, by the edge of the board or by by a block tax or something like that, and then uh, and then you're there. Yeah, you, you land it. So it it is deceptively an a- accurate push. Yeah. So yeah, I think the fact that it's scatter five gives you lots of choices in where to go in the chain, and that that makes it a pretty solid push. Um, if this just said push two, I think people would always play it. So uh, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't actually know that it's a whole lot different than that. Yeah. And if you got a lot of brawlers, aka condemners, then um, <laughs> yeah. just is, is a ping on top of everything else, which is pretty nuts. Uh, last one. Last one from Silver Sabbath. Last submission last uh, of all is uh, Abyssal Summoner. And I'm going to admit to having kind of overlook this one this is during attack actions made by this fighter if this fighter is in a cover hex this fighter is considered to have one additional supporting fighter mm-hmm. uh, i think about how often i took uh what was it helpful helpful whispers yep uh way back in the shade spire days which just made single supports um uh, it didn't give you a supporting fighter it just meant that single supports were successful as long as you didn't have any friends next to you yeah um that uh that's basically this only you have to be in in cover um that's it's pretty boss. Yeah. Uh, Solid. So, and, and especially for uh, Silver Sath points this out, mm-hmm. range two or three fighters, which have more flexibility and positioning, um, can sure. uh, can get a lot of mileage yeah. out of this. Um, for what it's worth, I was looking at pretty much all of the. So there's actually a couple of different object or upgrades that work similar to this, mm-hmm. um, that I. I pulled for my Hrothgorn build 
So the other two that are similar are Master of Shadows, which mm -hmm. uh, is a you get a reroll of one of your fighters attack rolls while they're in a cover hex. So you can stack these and that's really nice. And then the other one is Shadow Seeker, where uh, rolls of single support are successes in the fighters attack rolls if there are no enemy fighters within two hexes of the fighter and then rolls of single supports are also successes in this fighter's defense rolls if this fighter is a hunter and the attacker mm. is not adjacent to you um kind of all three of those together gives you a nice little accuracy package and a little bit of a defensive boost yeah um yeah it's pretty solid yeah. stuff uh i haven't seen too many people run them i really liked it when i put it with my hrothgorn i don't know how much your grimwatch liked it <laughs> not very much I was getting re-rolls on his crossbow and I was like well yeah. uh, two fury with the re-rolls pretty accurate let's see how I can do and just pick off a whole bunch yeah. of little, little yeah guys. usually when you're lying like well it's fine Rothgoin is going to miss some of these like or maybe he won't or maybe That's he won't <laughs> yeah so um, I like this one I actually didn't include this one but I think I might go back and find a spot for it I like this yeah, and I think the uh, it's worth mentioning the other uh, factor for wanting to uh, find a place for this one would be is if um, if you have stuff that scores off of uh, having supports. Um, yep. So um, I don't know that you might even Cunning Crew might be interested in this. Ooh, where yeah, uh, put it on, make an attack. Doesn't matter what else is going on as long as you attack from cover, you're going to inspire. Yeah, uh, and they have solid. a lot of other things that trigger off of. Um, trigger off of having done things supported, you know, yeah. objectives or, or kills and yeah. um, all that sort of thing. So if you are a deck that can really leverage supports in some way uh, or benefits from counting as having supporting fighters, then uh, I mean, there's even uh, I've, I've seen a few rip -a bills where people try to lean and they, they actually have a fair amount of support check in that mm -hmm. deck. Um, so that's a, that's also a possibility. Yeah. And I think it's worth mentioning. So we've talked a lot, yeah, period a lot well we've talked a lot <laughs> but a lot of these cards that sort of are uh requiring that either you or your opponent be in a cover hex and there was a while where i was building decks and thinking about cards and thinking man like having this limitation on my positioning always feels like it's going to end up being so rough mm. it's just not really played out that way i feel like mm -hmm. um I'm almost always trying to be in cover hexes if I can, and yeah. so are my opponents. So, like, anything that's saying, you get this bonus if you're in cover, or you get this bonus if your opponent is in cover, you might as well just read that as, like, you just have this bonus. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's more often than not the case. Yeah. Um, so don't don't think that for some reason this just won't ever trigger, because I think it usually will. Yeah. Um, I had a good chat with uh, Diablerist. I was looking at, I was uh, spectating one of his games and uh, was kind of looking at his deck after the fact. And I was like, hey, what's going on here? Like, it, it looks like you're missing some obvious things. And I, I know you're a really talented player and deck builder. So, like, tell me, tell me more about how you ended up here. And he was uh, playing around with the, like, so many people are counting on the enemy being in cover. Yeah. Uh, be it from objectives or chum the water or, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, that he's, he's saying, I'm going to see if I can, you know, avoid those ping damage things. I'm going to avoid that uh, by just not, I'm going to be that rare deck that doesn't care about them and see if I can brick out some of your deck just that way. And I was like, oh, yes, yeah. I like that counter meta choice. Um, and I think that might be something we explore a little more later at some point. Yeah, uh, certainly something 
to consider. I have not tried it yet, but I bet you that there's a way to make that work. Yeah. Uh, but that, that wraps it up. Uh, one more time. Uh, thank you very much to all the people who, uh, contributed to this. That was really awesome to get that kind of engagement from the community and, uh, shout out to all of you. Uh, and I hope, uh, hope you enjoyed hearing about, uh, everybody's many and varied, uh, thoughts on this particular matter. Yeah. Uh, Phil, you got anything else before we start outroing? No, I think that's it. That was, that was some fun, fun discussion and, uh, some, some stuff to consider. Yeah. Um, if you do want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at WTHcast. You can email us whatthehexcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the Discord. Uh, you can find us on our own Discord, which is growing all the time. You can find us in person if you're in the Madison area. We're doing every Thursday night at Noble Night Games. Uh, we'd love to see you. I think we had, the last time I was out, there were uh, there were 14 people playing, which was kind of amazing yeah. for just a, a league night. So um, pretty great. Uh if you want to check out other content, there's the mortalrealms.com. Go to the website there and root around. I was just listening to some of the story phase episodes. Uh, they did some coverage of uh, Season of War of Thondia and the Daughters of Cain battle tome, uh, just the, the lore behind those. And uh, it was a good listen for me. I, I enjoyed not being on it and listening to it <laughs> instead. Yeah. Uh, it meant that I could, like, you know, shake my fist and shout at the speaker when the really bad jokes came out instead of having like try to be a little bit professional. <laughs> so, um, coming up, we have a, a couple of possibilities. So, uh, we're hoping to scoop, uh, maybe the, the winner or, uh, a interesting deck from the, the vassal brawl, which is going on right now. Um, uh, talk to, talk to some of the folks there. Um, that's a, that's our, our first candidate, um, we were kicking around the idea of, uh, going through the lore of every war band. Like, why are they, why are they even in underworlds? Yeah. Um, we'll see if that, uh, plays out and, uh, maybe, uh, as you get back in it, we'll, uh, we'll just, uh, let you, let you get some games in and, and uh, <laughs> see, see where you go. Actually, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've got your quick flavor text quiz. You ready for this? As ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> yeah. As in, not at all. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'll, your hint will be that it is, it is a card that was, that we talked about today. Oh, all right. okay. All right. Uh, so the power of beast graves sometimes manifests in strange and horrific mutations. Oh man. Uh, I bet this is an upgrade, but maybe not. Man, I have no idea. <laughs> okay, uh, you are you you steered yourself wrong with the upgrade. That's a hidden sting. So uh, a little beast grave action. That makes um, sense. Yeah. Okay. If uh, if folks uh, don't care for that segment, let me know and I'll cut it. Uh, Skylar <laughs> had Skylar had an interesting. Uh, alternate way of doing it which is find one of these that has a quote read the quote and then uh have you try to determine <laughs> who said it who said it <laughs> uh which is fine because like they're in a particular voice or yeah, whatever so yeah. you can you can kind of get a sense um your recommended listening for this is uh layer cards out by policia uh that's uh that's a band i've been checking out a bunch lately really enjoying that it's a cool track so uh go check it out but uh thanks for everybody for listening uh, we'll be back at you. Uh, apologies, this episode 
uh, is going to be coming to you a little bit later than we like to do. Uh, but, uh, COVID got us, got both our families. So I think, uh, I think that'll be, but, uh, we'll be back on track for uh, Saturday morning releases, um, moving forward from here yeah. and, uh, we'll catch you on the next one for, uh, for what the heck's Evan Davey. And this is Bill. cut that out which is great for me um <laughs> <laughs> really appreciate it uh the blah blah the not going to edit too much um <laughs> uh and i think that one that one's in silent minutes right that's where all the strikes came from maybe not so. uh no this one was from i think this one was earlier but maybe i'm wrong mm. uh i'd have to double check let's see was it if only I could have done any nope, kind of research? This one was in with Canaan's Reapers. You are correct. Okay. More editing for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, then I was playing against uh, the uh, Condemners. Mm-hmm. Not Condemners. The, um, what are the Castigator Warband? Um, Man, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't play against them enough to remember their actual name. Yeah, show me some war bands. Oh my editing, what am I doing? Um, <laughs> oh, oh, now they're sorted by order. Is this them? Storm of Celestis. Yes.